These are your boys, Jothan and Key, coming in hot with the lunch table. Oh my gosh, we got a big show. Take it in. It's going to be wild. Boom. I'm going to just go ahead and say never do that again. I thought I had something like that. Hey, did you feel that flow? Was it coming a little bit there? I'll say this. It wasn't the worst thing I've heard in my life. Okay, that's good. That's good. We're, we're somewhere with that. <laughs> we're somewhere with You'll that. take that as a win? Yes, sir, because this is the lunch table with your host, Keith over here. And Jothan over here. Yes, sir. How you doing tonight, Jothan? I was doing really good. Then I heard that freestyle. Now I'm doing great. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you didn't think that's where it was going. Okay. You didn't, you didn't think that's where it was going. Fantastic. We got some big topics going on this week. Big, big topics. Uh, biggest one has the uh, state of Ohio. Nope. Oh, oh, my gosh. I got my geography wrong. Yeah, no, state of Ohio. Indianapolis is in Ohio, is it not? That's not. Is it? Oh, let me tell you, geography is not what we're in university for. It Isn't has, it in Indiana? In Indiana, Indianapolis. It has the state of the Colts. We'll just shrinking that down and forget that part. The state of the Colts in disarray this morning as their franchise QB has suddenly retired and everyone does not know how to feel. Also, there's some pretty big contracts uh, holdouts still going on and we are nearing the start of the NFL season. And we're going to let you know if it's something to consider worrying about or something to kind of brush aside as it'll be taken care of once the season starts. And of course, uh, this week, we're going to touch upon uh, something different that we don't usually do too much. The Toronto Blue Jays, as they have been a very interesting story this upcoming season. Not very good, per se, in terms of wins and losses, but a story nonetheless that offers a lot of uh, hindsight as what the future may hold. So sit back, ladies and gentlemen, buckle up, and let's get into it. So we have a special treat today. As joining us on the phone, we have uh, number 84 for the Laurier Goldenhawks, uh, Anton Matthews, uh, who is also an esteemed Colts fan. Anton, how are we doing today? I'm doing quite well. And yourself, Kiefer? Doing fantastic now that you're here. Doing fantastic. Um, so we imagine this must be very difficult times for you, as uh, this past weekend was just a shock to the sporting world as a whole. Uh, before we even get into logistics, we got to know, how you feeling? How you doing right now, big man? Uh, in the moment, man, I was going through, uh, some, uh, a little bit of depression. I'm not going to lie. Very sad. I thought people are just trying to mess around with me, sending me fake, uh, fake news, but to find out it's real, you're tired, you know, I was very upset. There's nothing we can do about it. You know, he's made up his mind. He's a smart guy. So. And I, I mean, it's not the fact that he retired. It's more of like timing, the fact that, you know, it's just this, there's a hope of, honestly, the Colts could have been in the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it might have been a little bit of a long shot, but they could easily have been in that point. And then they go to a point where, you know, their their Hall of Fame quarterback to be is stepping away from football. I mean, that that I can't imagine being a Colts fan and experiencing that. You know, I mean, I'm a Giants fan, and Eli Manning is still kicking around. Mm-hmm. So I don't know about premature leaving. I don't know what that is. I wish it would happen for my team, to be honest with you. I you mean, wish Andy Dalton would I would be pumped if I saw that happen. Yeah, um, but there's a difference between Andrew Luck and, uh, you know, Andy Dalton. There so. is. There is. I'm not going to deny that. There's a that. huge difference. 
Uh, one is significantly better, and I won't even yeah. deny that. Andrew Luck has won a playoff game. Yeah, and Andy Dalton has failed to do it for the last. Okay, well, before before we start attacking Andy Dalton because he has nothing to do with this conversation here, um, that actually is something I would kind of like to follow up with your reaction about. Uh, so, if you may or may not have noticed, uh, as the news did drop while the Colts were playing the Bears, the third preseason game of their season or preseason, part of me. Uh, it dropped around like the end of the third quarter, fourth fourth quarter, and the fans got pretty visibly upset. And as Andrew was leaving the field, he was uh, showered by a crowd of boos. And I'm curious about what your reaction was to that. Honestly, uh, to be honest, uh, as fans, you know what? Uh, you gotta take, you gotta notice, like the situation you're in. You know what I mean? The timing, the timing that. You know, he's always talked about in his interviews of how, like, he he's not going to come back and be average. You know what I mean? He's not going to be an average quarterback. Uh, he wants to uh, come back and be uh, one of the best in the league and do what he does. And that means being healthy for the season. He's always talked about, you know, I'm going to be back for the season. I'm going to be back for the season. And then a week and a half before the season starts, he decides that, you know what? I'm going to call it quits. And uh, you got to always realize, like, what fans like what, like what fans are. Uh, they're all about entertainment. So, you know what I mean? If we had a great backup, a great situation, uh, you know, someone who's behind Andrew that's formidable, uh, you know what? I don't think they'd, they'd have the same reaction because they know there's a backup plan. Like, people are talking about, Andrew Luck being the fifth best quarterback, and then Jacoby Brissett being ranked 25th, like that's a tremendous drop off. You know what I mean? So, still ahead of Dalton somehow. I just, I... <laughs> but you know, you're right. It's it's this immense shock mm-hmm. that kind of overwhelms a fan base. You can't hold a fan base. You know, there were the fan base literally booed Andrew Luck off of the field mm-hmm. once they heard, you know, got the news that he was retiring for his his mental health, personal mental fatigue. He said it was and and he, he was visibly shaken. You know, he, it's not a decision that he came to easily. It's a decision that, you know, you can see he he took a lot of time, stewed over and. And finally kind of confidently said, you know what, this is something I need to do for my life. You know, he's not enjoying the game anymore. But, I mean, at what point, you know, there's the player safety aspect and then there's the the fan aspect. You know, did he do the right thing for the fans? You know, should he have waited out to the end of the season? Or is this the right time? You know, the third game of preseason after, you know, you're sitting there kind of left in the dark thinking he's going to be back for the season. You're going to have a real shot at a championship and he's done all of a sudden. Like, is that fair to the fans? Honestly, it's, it's not about the fans to be honest. Like it's all about per- you personally, you know, if you're doing something, you're not, you're not going to, that you don't love anymore, you know, because of how tasking it is. Uh, it's just not going to be the same. Like he's not going to, I'd rather, him being at a hundred percent or not being at all in at all, to be honest, like, like, I don't want him to half-ass it. You know what I mean? Uh, through the season and then to figure out that he wanted to retire from the beginning, mm-hmm. like it will just be like the big Ben situation all over again saying, Oh, I want to retire and all that stuff. Kind that, of messing that, around that affects, with everybody. That affects the locker room. That affects everything. You know what I mean? So, 
And football really is a game where, you know, if you're not 100% in, it's so physical. It It's not like basketball. You don't just show up, you know, playing a back-to-back and just kind of shoot around and go. You really have to be in there, be in meetings, make sure you're, you're, you're game planning. You're getting ready for the week. Like, football practice is not easy. No. You know, you're, you're out there. Your body's bruised, hurting. So if you're not mentally checked in, like, either you're going to get hurt or you're going to cause somebody else to get hurt. Yeah, and I feel like the decision, like, for him wasn't, even though it's hard because he loves the game, he's set up in a, in a manner that, like, he went back to Stamp. He could have been drafted after his third year as a number one overall pick, mm-hmm. but he decided to go back to finish his degree. So, like, he's an, he's an architectural engineer. Like, he's set up. If you look at most of the guys in the league, they don't have their degree. So, you know what? Football, that's it, that's it for them. You know what I mean? That's how they're going to make their money. Now, I'm curious, too, as, of course, there's a lot of people upset with Andrew Luck for the timing of his retirement. But I feel like you could almost go one step further in that largely when Andrew Luck was drafted, he was mainly set up to fail. I mean, it's widely well known that one of the biggest issues the Colts had during Andrew Luck's time, you know, his, his at the start of his career was their offensive line and their lack of protection they had for him. And a lot of the shots he took were... You know, pretty difficult. You know, you can look through some of the injuries he's gone through. He's had, what, a lacerated kidney at one point. He had, uh, I think, shoulder surgery going on right now. Yeah. He has, like, a calf and uh, potential something else, ankle. And so the question that I want to follow up on, on, on to you here, Anton, is how much, um, you know, how much disdain do you feel for just the Colts as an organization for allowing this to happen to a player of, of uh, Andrew Luck's caliber, you know, for waiting so long to finally draft a center in Ryan Kelly and to finally draft someone like Quentin Nelson to start protecting him instead of continuously investing in pieces like um, Philip Dorsett, you know, who, who added no real protection to um, and, and did really nothing for the offense as a whole. To solidify their franchise. Exactly. Honestly, uh, the owner, Ryan, the owner, I feel like he just waited way too long. Like, it's not even the move of... Uh, the Chuck Pagano situation. Like, I didn't mind him as a head coach, as the GM, Ryan Grigson. Like, he felt like uh, bringing in skill position players who force, like, wide receivers. Like, the one year we brought in Trent Cole, Frank Gore, Andre Johnson, all these old skill positions, positions that never really, that, uh, that pretty much forced Andrew Luck to play hero ball. You know, I got to take that extra hit. I got to do everything on myself, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, like, it's not the way to play. Like, and you guys know my, my take on mobile quarterbacks. Like, he's basically, he basically played that role in the pocket, pretty much. Like, he took hits that RG3 was taking outside the pocket, in the pocket. That's how bad our offensive line is. Mm-hmm. Like, in the first, his first five years in the NFL, like, he was the most sacked quarterback in those five years. So, you know what? I, I, I put complete blame on the owner uh, for for his short career. And, yeah. I mean, I mean Colin, Colin Cowherd says it pretty interestingly. You know, football comes down to guys who can get after the quarterback and guys who can protect your quarterback. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's really what it comes down to. And the Colts, you know, they had a deficiency at protecting their quarterback. It caused them to miss a lot of games. Uh, and, and you're not going to win games if your quarterback isn't there. Just yeah. simply put, so 
you know, it, that there's a lot of responsibility to be placed on your general manager to make sure how are you, what, what is the plan in place to, to ensure that that investment is protected for years? You know, how can, football's a revolving door of talent. You know, most people don't last more than like, what is it, three or something years in the league? Three, four years, yeah. You know, so, you know, you can't depend on, you know, I drafted an O-lineman once and it's going to last me for the next 20 years. No, you got to have a plan in place. How are you keeping this, you know, wall up front maintained? How are you adding to it, making sure it's up to date and fixed and all of that? And, you know, they just didn't do it. No, exactly. And, and, and now they're very much in a precarious situation in that, they have a very talented roster. There's no doubt. You know, they have T.Y. Hilton, you know, out wide. Their offensive hole, you know, Marlon Mack has a lot of potential to really come out with big this year. Their offensive line, as we already alluded to, is very stout, is one of the best in the league. Uh, their defense, they're putting a lot of work in, too. Darius Leonard has came out big last season. And now it's the fact that they lost their, their franchise QB. It's They're not in a position where they'll necessarily tank. Because their team is, you know, that bad. They'll just go right down to first overall pick. But they're not going to necessarily be a Super Bowl contender. So, you know, to, to my question to you, Anton, is how would you approach this season now with without Andrew Luck? Would you try and, you know, um, suck for Herbert or something like that? Or, or suck for Tua? Or would you try and play it out and try and see what you can get and make happen? Honestly, Jacoby uh, Brissett, is, he's a decent quarterback. So I kind of want to... Personally, my, my move would be to ride it out with him. You know what? You have a good team. Yeah, he's not Andrew Luck. But, like, see what he can do. You know what I mean? Like, there's teams that have gone far in the playoffs with, you know, average quarterbacks or just slight, just average quarterbacks. You know what I mean? And maybe he'll surprise us. Maybe he'll have a breakout year. You know what I mean? So, Yeah, I, I think back to the uh, 2009, uh, the uh, New York Jets and Mark Sanchez. He uh, led them all the way to the AFC Championship game. And, I mean, I don't think anyone would consider Mark Sanchez to be a, uh elite quarterback at that. Yeah. So, I, I definitely see what you're saying. You know, it's there's too good a roster to just kind of fold over. You know, and especially in the division you're in, I mean, you, you look across the board there. Jacksonville, you can pretty much just wipe away. But Tennessee and Houston are very interesting scenarios in that they both have the potential to be really good. But at the same time, they have the potential to be very bad. At, you know, there's a lot of question marks there. But here's my I, – I still think we'll win the division. That's the, that's the crazy thing, to be honest. Because you don't – if you – every – each team in the division has gaping holes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, we don't have to have the best offense in the division to win it. You know what I mean? Deshaun mm-hmm. Watson, his offensive line is extremely shaky. Mm-hmm. So, like, Lamar him Miller? getting the ball off is uh, going to be an issue. There's always question marks about Marcus Mariota and his progression. Mm-hmm. You know what? No one knows what Nick Foles is going to do in this offense. He's only been successful in really two years. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like even in the regular season last year, he was just slightly above average as a quarterback. So we'll we'll just we'll just have, just have to wait and see how the division turns out. But I still think uh, the Colts will be on top. The AFC South is not exactly the toughest division in football. No, yeah, it's, it's not. not. But it, it it's not the worst division. Like again, it has that kind of potential to be really good and also really bad at the same time because of just so many question marks. It's so many different positions. 
Yeah. I, I know, and, and it's not unrealistic to think a guy like Jacoby Brissett, what is this, his third year in the Colts system, and being remember, on the team. Remember who he learned underneath, too, Tom Brady. Exactly. So it's not unrealistic to think, you know, he's a he's a veteran guy in the league. He's It's not his first year. He's not being thrust into the fire. You know, he's been taking first-team reps. Andrew Luck hasn't been playing. It's not unrealistic to think, you know, they could be in the playoffs and still kind of compete. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you gotta you gotta notice that like Frank Wright is underrated. Like you know when he's in Philadelphia, he prepared a backup quarterback in Nick Foles, and look how he did. You know what? So I'm I'm excited to see what him as a coach has planned for you know Jacoby Brissett because uh, young Andrew Luck and Jacoby Brissett kind of uh, they're similar in a way where they used to, they love to hold the ball. Mm. they hold the ball pretty long. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And with this new system that we're in, you know, it's all about getting the ball out quick, get it to our receivers and get, you know, yak. So we'll see how he does in it. Hopefully he's, he's good enough. So to play the, uh, to play the hypothetical scenario here now too, in the event that things don't work out and they were to have, you know, a bad season per se, yeah. who would you want to be the, the new QB of the future of the potential candidates coming up? Uh, you know what? Uh, first round pick. Uh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't use it on a quarterback personally. Really? Yeah. No. Probably use it I on a running back. Take the Giants model. I got you. Oh my gosh. I would. I would probably uh, use it on a pass rusher or a linebacker to go with Darius Leonard, and then possibly pick up a quarterback like Jake Fromm in the second round. None uh, of the three big names stand out to you though as a potential new franchise uh, cornerstones. Mm, like Justin Herbert, Tua. Yeah, uh, I like Justin Herbert more than I like Tua, but I I feel like Jake Fromm would fit our offense the best. To be honest with you, mm-hmm. uh, Trevor Lawrence is not available till next, the year after. So unless we're tanking till then, then you know what I mean. We still need to work on our defense as well. And there's always you got, we got to find a replacement for Ty because he's getting really old. So. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be in two years' time when Trevor Lawrence draft comes up. That's going to be yeah. – uh, I bet you the NFL is going to be difficult to watch that season because there's going to be obviously the good teams, the teams vying for playoff spots. But those teams that are bad are going to be just so obscenely terrible that season that yeah. it's going to be difficult to just digest that. You know? But I, I just want to say don't rule out the return of Andrew Luck. You think he has potential to come back? I think so. He's 29 right now. He's turning 30 this year. Like – just think about it like this, you know, when you love something, like if you give it up for a little bit, you know what, he'll get healthy, you know, he, he, the only reason why he said he's lost love for the game was because of rehab. And then, you know what, maybe after this season, you know what, he decides that, you know what, I'm healthy now. You know what, my mind's in the right place. My body's in, I feel, feel great. You know what, I might, I might might try and return to the NFL and there'll be every team in the NFL with or without a quarterback is going to take a look at, at, at Andrew Luck and be like, yeah, we can take a shot on this guy. Okay. So He's proven it. throwing this out there to you, yeah. who's more likely to return to the NFL, Andrew Luck or Colin Kaepernick? Andrew Luck, definitely. <laughs> you know, you're not even hesitating with that. Definitely. 
I feel like the Kaepernick situation is just yeah, too I feel long like now. I feel like it's done. You know, it's just too long now. Like you can't like yeah. what do you ask a guy been out of the league for four years now at this point? Yeah, it, the and then when changed. he left the league, it wasn't like he was, he was one of the best in the league. You know what I mean? You know, you know? yeah, exactly. So, and you see, I don't know to follow up with your argument there about potential of him coming back. I just feel like he he sounded really defeated in his press conference and when he's talking about that that cycle that he got stuck in. You know, rehab, yeah. get hurt. And, uh, you know, play through it or something like that and then go through that whole process all over again. I mean, again retiring again. would help break that cycle, right? Yeah. So you, you, you're right. Like, you would hope that it would break the cycle, but... But um. even even though he was in an ideal situation where he had a very good offensive line, great offense, Marlon Mack was really kind of starting to come into his own start at the end of the season yeah. there. And, like, he had the pieces he needed. Obviously, he can always get better in certain positions, but he had necessarily the pieces he needed, and he still got hurt. You know, he still came to training camp hurt. I mean, like, what what else more can you ask for? You know, it's it's just those kind of things are what really resonate. I feel with me as an outsider, and that's that's why I don't think that you know seeing him come back in the future to kind of want to step back into that type of atmosphere is really that plausible because he can't get that much better than that. You know, uh, you know, how does your body feel right now, Keeper? You haven't played football in how long? How does your body feel? It doesn't right feel like it's in football shape. I can tell you that for certain. <laughs> no, but like health-wise, it feels good, no? It feels great. Yeah, sure. Exactly. So like, and that's after a year, almost a year of not playing. So imagine him taking a break, you know? And obviously, you still have your love for football. You know what? Mm-hmm. And his love for football was uh, is a lot greater than most of our love for football. Like, he's a football junkie. Like, he still has a flip phone because all he really wants to focus on is football. He doesn't want to get distracted by social media and all those different and various different distractions. It's a cool idea, but just don't download social media on your phone. Yeah. Like, (laughs) he can still get a nice iPhone. (laughs) Can't even hit a iMessage. He's a a weird guy. You know what I mean? Like, anyone could tell you, like, he's a football junkie. Like, everything he talks about is football. So, like, for me to think that, you know what, he's completely given up on it instead of, like, taking a break. Like, he's not the only one that has retired and come back. Michael Jordan has done it. Brett Favre has done it. You know what? Yeah. So yeah. Brett Favre retired, like, four times. And then yeah. Michael Jordan went and played baseball. So, like, he didn't necessarily stop playing sports. Yeah, but then, Jason Witten did it. And that's just something that shows you that, like, you know, the love of the game and stuff like that. Like it doesn't just go away. Like regardless of whether you make a decision to, you know, stop playing the game, it things like that just don't go away. Like your love for something, you can't just decide. You know what? One day, no, I'm not going to do it anymore because you know I'm going through pain. But like once that pain is gone, that love is still going to be there. So the opportunity for him to come back will always be. Um. Okay. So one to- thing this kind of does spark. Is the idea, you know, Andrew Luck walks away for, we can just label it as health, mm-hmm. right? His mental yeah. fatigue, that works out to health. Player safety is always, you know, it's been the big talk. Antonio Brown wouldn't, couldn't wear his old helmet because of player safety. <clears throat> player safety is the biggest thing now. Yet the NFL still plays four preseason games. Mm. You know, is there a level where, you know, the, the preseason games just need to get cut down? Guys aren't playing. Guys are getting hurt. What's the point? Yeah. Uh, I think they should still be there, to be honest. 
You think all four should be there? Not, not even like cut it down to two or something, mm-hmm. you know? Like how many games do you really need after, what, a month of mini camp, training camp, you know, OTAs, you know, well, you, you have rookie remember- mini camp. You have all of these things and you still need four games to decide whether this guy needs to be on the field. Well, you got to remember with like the new CBA and stuff like that, like their training camp, as much as it like, as much as you say like training camp, you're thinking about like, you know, your common like high school, college training camp, like these guys with the new CBA, these guys are chilling. Like in the hard knocks, like they, like you see Gruden talking about, oh, I'm going to get fined if I, you know, make you guys suit up in equipment this day. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, it's not like they're practicing two, three times a day anymore. You know what? And, uh, like, it's four games. Like, that's that's four different job interviews for people to get jobs. You know what I mean? Four different opportunities for people to get jobs. So, like, like yeah, your best players don't have to play, but you can play those guys that, you know, are looking to get a job in the NFL. Okay, but what is the fourth game, really? That's true, but then the fourth game will... If you take out the four games, right, and make it three, the third game will be what the third game was. You know what I mean? No one will play. The first game will still be what it is. Still no one will play. And then the second game, you know, you'd see majority of the starters, you know, for a drive or two. What about... Okay, like... So I understand where you're coming from because, like, I definitely see the argument that it's like it's not just necessarily college football players or high school, as you said. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's guys' lives. You know, it's their livelihood. This is this is whether or not they yeah. got a financial income for their family and can, you know can provide for them. But I feel like in the same time, you know, Jotha and I were discussing this earlier. If you put a scenario in where you had per se two preseason games, and then you know, what if you had two joint practices? Or, you know, two sets of joint practices, so maybe like two two days with uh, one team and two days with another team, where you kind of went through certain practices with against other opponents. It kind of insinuates a different level of competition, and you kind of get to see real uh, you know, real attributes of players in that kind of scenario and stuff like that. So what about a scenario like that? You know, two games and, you know, two sets of practices with other teams. Uh, yeah, I'd see that. I can see that working, to be honest. Because it just it, it opens a door for just so much more evaluation, so much more hands on, so much more individual looks at that too. You could do you know one on ones, offensive de- uh, offensive defensive linemen, you know receiver DB one on ones. Again, those scenarios can often be tilted towards the one side for you know obviously one on one receiver DB. It's tilted towards receiver one on one defensive line, offensive line is tilted Compared towards to the where, defensive line. Mm-hmm. Well, like you you've been in practice and you've seen some people that. You know what? In practice, like they're like the best person on the field. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then when it comes to actual game action, they're like they have no clue. They just what like they're that doing. Game they look instinct. out of place. So like I feel like the actual in game, in game assessments are needed. To be honest, so like the four games, like I know it's not like you're not making the most. The organizations aren't making the most money off of it. Because their stars aren't playing, but like, any. there's so many practice roster spots, extra spots. People get injured. There's a lot of film. Like, if you get cut from this team, you know, I have three games or four games of preseason film to send out to other teams. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Little things like that. Like, yeah. 
Actually, uh, one other side note here, kind of further on the preseason uh, conversation. I'm curious of your take on the uh, the whole debacle in Winnipeg with the uh, Raiders and Packers. And the 80-yard field. 80-yard field. Uh, what's what's your take on that? Uh, honestly, I, I never really paid attention to, like, little stuff like that, to be honest. But it kind of goes uh, to show, you know, how, almost how ridiculous the preseason is. The Raiders yeah. didn't know where they would be playing this season. Mm-hmm. So that is part of the reason why they had scheduled this game. Now, don't 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 forget, you schedule your own preseason games. So it's not like a rotating schedule. You can do whatever you want. If you want to schedule it four games against the same opponent, you could do it. Probably not going to do that. But, you know, your travel is not... It's just covered by the team and all those type of things. So teams are losing a lot of money on this because they're not recouping it in ticket sales. Mm -hmm. So the Raiders didn't know where they were playing. They didn't have a home stadium. So that's why they decided we'll schedule one of those games up in Winnipeg. And it turned out to be a little bit of a disaster. They forgot the up rates were at the start of the end zone instead of the back of the end zone like NFL too. and. it kind of just shows like you know almost how much of a gong show this whole preseason thing can be as even the NFL which is such a well-run organization can be kind of an awkward honestly that's something you that's honestly something you just expect from the Raiders you know what I mean yeah I was gonna say that like they're just not they're not a real well-run organization like you've been looking at their stadium that they played in the last couple of years like when baseball season is going on like why are why are why are players running through a part of the the infield you know what i mean mm-hmm. like it does not make sense how do you, how like, can you not just put like some sod down it looks yeah, awful like, it looks off and it's dangerous too you know the ground is not yeah. as safe it's not as stable as like the typical turf field or grass it's just you know what it reminds me of it's like you remember when in high school when you'd play on those dirt on those like grass fields oh, yeah. on those rainy days and then you would fall and you get that face full of like mud and dirt in your face and it was just like yeah. <laughs> it was awful mm-hmm. like i can't imagine suiting up in an nfl game you fall face first mm. and you just get in dust dirt. in your face. Like, what is that? Mm-hmm. What is that? No, a load of nonsense. <laughs> and then the upper deck is tarped up. It, it just, that's a gong show. It is. And it, yeah, and like, it makes you wonder how they're going to work in Vegas. You know, when it's like the, the fanfare is that much higher. How's it going to work there? I don't think that's going to be that. Like, as much as it's Vegas and it's a big market, I, like, I don't think it's going to work out that well, to be honest. No, you don't see the potential for much success over there either, eh? First couple of years, yeah, because of all the excitement. But, like, they're not winning. If they're not winning, like, no one's going to want to support Kierzo. them. Because mm-hmm. they're leaving their whole fan base in Oakland. you got to remember that. Mm-hmm. Like, Las Vegas, they're excited. But, like, Las Vegas... It's different than when you're moving yeah. to, like, a Los Angeles. You know what I mean? Like, San Diego, yes, you left your fan base, but you moved to a bigger city yeah but vegas embraced a hockey team so who said they couldn't embrace a football team yeah but hockey has a much smaller fan base right it's it's different when you're trying to say how can we pack you know maybe fifteen thousand people into a and you gotta remember fifteen thousand people in a football stadium is like nothing Mm -hmm. right like that thing will feel empty sometimes you go to jay's games and they'll have twenty five thousand people and it 
feels like it's empty in that place because it holds 50,000. Mm-hmm. But it's like that's almost more yeah. than than the Raptors on a sellout day. Yeah, and you got to remember Kiefer, most of the people that are going to come to these games are going to be tourists. So it's not like the atmosphere in that arena is going to be great. It's going to be a bunch of people that are just like, oh, my God, I need something to do on a Sunday. They're probably not going to be that season ticket holder diehard. Exactly. You kind of get that atmosphere from the stadium. Or someone that's in Cincinnati, New York, that loves their team. You know what I mean? Lives and breathes it. Yeah. No, it's going to be interesting. it's like those fans that like go to a Raptors game and just sit down and you know they're not sharing. They're, they don't really know what's going on. That's exactly what's going to be. They go for the night out, not yeah. because the they love the team. And the yeah. Pictures, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so that is also one of our big storylines. Uh, another big storyline that's been going on throughout preseason has been the situation with some uh, contracts and some contract holdouts. So yeah. currently as it stands, there are four premier players in the league right now with some contract dilemmas. They follow as Ezekiel Elliott, Trent Williams, Melvin Gordon, and Jadavian Clowney. Yep. So, breaking down each of these guys individually here, uh, we went through like a bit of a, uh, I don't want to call it like a, a system, if you will. Kind of like, uh, you know, so we have five questions that we ask. Uh, so, for the first one, it's will he play? How much is he signed for? How many years? What team will he play for? And how will he do this season? So, to present the question to you first, Anton, Ezekiel Elliott. Will he play, mm-hmm. and how much is he signed for, and so on and so forth? I think he will. He'll play. I think he will sign for about a little bit, probably the same amount as Le'Veon Bell. Though the 13-12 range? Yeah, 13-12. I think like 14,000 14, getting up. 14 million, my bad. <laughs> Getting up there would be uh, I'd sign too for much. <laughs> too, yeah, too much. It would be too much for the team because they still like they still have to sign Dak, who's seemingly complicated, asking for 40 mil. Mm-hmm. Just I think like around Le'Veon Bell's contract. And uh, so, how many years do you think he's going to sign for? Maybe uh, four. Four years to stay four. with Dallas. Yeah. And so, yeah. I don't think because of the longevity of the running back, like there's no longevity in that position. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like the longer the contract, he'll sign, he'll sign a longer contract than. Do you think that Dallas entertains the idea at all of trading him this season? I don't think so, to be honest. Not even with his off-field kind of if issues he, and he, all that. Here's what here's what I think will happen. If uh, if he holds out, I think it'll be better for the Dallas Cowboys, to be honest. Because they don't have to pay him? Not not because of that, because then they'll actually see what they have in Dak Prescott when he has a quote-unquote number one receiver in Amari Cooper mm-hmm. without an elite running back. Because when Dak Prescott has played without a number one receiver, they said they'll give – without Zeke, he played horribly. But then they brought up the excuse that, oh, he never had a number one receiver. So now they do. So and he has an experienced tight end. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So now if Dak doesn't perform, for me, I pay Zeke and draft a quarterback this year. I never actually thought of it that way. You know, the more Zeke kind of holds out, it gives you that rare opportunity to have two stars kind of still technically together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, you know, you get to assess them one-on-one and say exactly. definitively – 
is Zeke the reason or is Dak the reason? You know, is because Zeke's three so... carries a game the yeah. one that's taking kind of that pressure off of him, allowing Dak to be good? Or is Dak good allowing Zeke to get those 30 carries? You know what I mean? Yeah, because right now it seems like Zeke is the one that's allowing Dak to perform. Because for me, if I'm Jerry Jones, if I'm not offering Zeke a contract right now, no. you know what I mean? I'm using this time to evaluate Dak Prescott. If Dak, if Dak's not good within the first two weeks, you know what I'm? I'm going to, you know, I'm going to pay Zeke whatever money he wants. If he wants Todd Gurley money, I'm giving him Todd Gurley money. Okay, I'll then what position sure do you Cooper, put? I'll make sure Amari Cooper is set up, set up nicely. Uh, give him a nice little contract, and then you know what? In the draft, I'm going to draft a quarterback. And it's you're just simple. you're telling Dak to you know just. Sorry, man. Play, play. I'm you better not, play your life life out. But if you can't, then you can't. Man, he's asking for forty mil. Yeah, I don't know if he's actually asking for forty. I think mil. it's around thirty something guaranteed or something. I'm not even paying him thirty something. Not even the guarantee. Yeah, but that's just the you know that's that's just a fact of the market though. You know, it's not so much. And he's been accomplished. You can't. But here, that. here's the thing. Here's the thing. Look at the market. When has, like, okay, let's. If you're going by, it's always the quarterback that's up next. Like, usually the quarterback that's up next has proven something, right? Yeah. Carson Wentz was up next. You know what? He was a MVP candidate before he got hurt. Matt Ryan was up next. He's just usually just great all the time. Kirk Cousins had a good year. He was up next. He just got paid. Jimmy Jimmy G, he, he went 5-0. and when he went to San Fran, he was up next. You know what I mean? Alex Smith was up next. He just kept on performing. performing if you're well. in a contract, you're, you just have yeah. to perform. Yeah, but he has been, though. Like He's won a division title, what, twice now? And he's won a playoff game. And this I guy's mean, been, like, what would he throw? Like 22 touchdowns last year with, like, less than 10 interceptions? Mm-hmm. Okay. So you're telling me he deserves to be paid more than Russell Wilson? It's not so much based it, off the talent, but it, I think it's production. not the talent. No. It's, it's about what the market is. It's mm-hmm. that the market is going up, and if you're next up, it's just kind of how it goes. You know, I mean, there was yeah. a point where Joe Flacco was making more than Aaron Rodgers. Mm-hmm. That doesn't yeah, mean I, Joe Flacco's ever been better than Aaron Rodgers. No. It's just that's what the market yeah, was demanding. Joe Flacco won a Super Bowl. You know what I mean? But yeah, like, but you know that Joe Flacco is a fringe. Um, Hall of Famer, whereas Aaron Rodgers is a surefire Hall of Famer. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. not even a doubt in your mind that Aaron Rodgers is better. It's, you know, when once you're up for your time, you're up for your time. That's part of the reason why Zeke is like, I want to get my money now. It, if, if I'm up mm-hmm. and I can get the, the running back market is high, and let's be real, it's only going to get lower. When you find guys like what is it, Philip Lindsay, and, you know, they can produce for you. You can find guys that can produce. Mm-hmm. You're like, man, take it and run. Why pay a guy in the first round if I don't have to? And, and to follow up on that as well, too, you know, the longer you wait, the more the value can fluctuate too, right? You know, depending on the production of each individual. And, you know, just take a look at the Dallas Cowboys, you know, starting schedule here. Just the month of September strictly, they got the Giants, the Redskins, the Dolphins, and the Saints. So, I mean, it's very realistic that could, they could go 3-1. and one. Start of the year. Okay, and, they go three and one. I paid that. I paid Dak. Exactly, but you have to pay him the forty mil though. You'd have to pay him guaranteed money because mm-hmm. that's where the league is going. 
yeah, I'll give him more guaranteed money. I'm just not going to give him as high as an average annual salary. You know what I mean? No, for sure. And, and But, like, what I'm saying, though, is, like, it's just based off where the season is, you know, how the pressure comes about could definitely dictate the fluctuation of the market and of that specific player. Because, I mean, if, if you were to sit on that, the 3-1 start there, and Dax at maximum value, and Zeke is, you know, just continually diminishing his value by not playing, just sitting out, you know, you don't seemingly know how football shape he is. You know, you could wait it out, and starting in October, you got games against teams like the Packers, uh, the Eagles, the Vikings could be very, very good. The Patriots at some point, you know, it's all about at what point does a team snap, you know, and how far could you be willing to go into the season with a, an easy start of the schedule like that and kind of use that as leverage against your running back? Or are you willing to kind of risk your whole team, your season as a whole and say, we can roll the dice with, with Zach having, a, or um, pardon me, Dak having a great start of the season. We think he can maintain this against top tier teams and take us far in the playoffs you know, it's, 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 it's a lot of question marks about how so do you handle that. For me, like, look at this. You have probably three great quarterbacks in this upcoming draft, right? Mm-hmm. You have Fromm, Tua, and Justin Herbert. Mm-hmm. So you have three great quarterbacks. Dak doesn't prove to me he can win. I feel like Dak has hit the ceiling, personally. Hey, he, Zeke is gals. Zeke's the reason why we win. We just ride out the season with all of them. I'm not paying Dak. And I just let him go, and we'll see what the he can dictate his market in free agency. I'll draft a quarterback, and then we'll run from there. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. then now look at this: I have a quarterback on a rookie contract, which is I liquid paid Zeke, gold. I paid Amari, and now look, now I can just keep on adding more pieces. I have an elite defense. I can go get. I already have uh, Randall Cobb. I can get a, another great receiver. You know what I mean? Actually, I that's, can get that's more an interesting players. question, too. Uh, sorry to interrupt you there, Anton, but uh, what do you pay Amari? Uh, let me see. So you're uh, looking at players mm-hmm. like Mike Thomas getting 19 a year. I'd probably pay him just as much as maybe 16 mil. 16 just underneath Mike Thomas? Uh no, that's like sixteen's like it's a lot. Mike F- Antonio Brown, DeAndre Hopkins. I'm probably paying like the, nine. Nine. Adam Thielen. I have to pay more than nine. It's just you only have really one season to really work off of right now. Like no, like nine. Open, nine so... would be disrespectful. Like yeah, receivers like Golden Tate. That's what Golden Tate's making. You know, Deshaun Watts, Deshaun Jackson, Adam Humphreys. Like, if you're looking at that, like those players making nine. Mm-hmm. If you're looking at high end, like even Tyrell Williams is making eleven million. Mm-hmm. Alshon Jeffries is making thirteen. Allen Robinson, who hasn't really proven anything, is making fourteen mil. This Cowboys payroll is high. It is, yeah. but I mean, I believe there's a stat that like next season they have around seventy million in uh, free uh, free cap next season. So I mean, like. All yesterday is I've been healthy. Sammy Watkins hasn't been healthy. I've proven more than Sammy Watkins, and Sammy Watkins is making sixty million. You can argue I'm better than Brandon Cooks, and he's making sixteen point two mil. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I agree with that. So, but you also have to think of where do you want to put the rest of your allocate the rest of your funds, right? You can blow. A bunch of money on Dak, you can blow a bunch of money on Zeke, and you can blow a bunch of money on Amari. Is that big three going to win you a Super Bowl if you guys can't 
repay that old line or well, do things like that? Get rid of the quarterback. That's what I'm saying. If like he... I'm not paying someone 40, 40 mil and he's reached his ceiling. Like he's peaked. I don't think he's getting any better personally. But at least you know what you're getting from him. Yeah, you know you got like at least a chance to win. And that's the hardest thing in the NFL is to somewhat getting the quarterback somewhat right. If you know you can so, have consistency, I, I think Dak could honestly win you a Super Bowl the way he plays. I don't think he's going to will you to a Super Bowl, but I think he could win you to a So he's a game a manager, correct? Yeah, poor man's Alex Smith, you could say. Okay. So... I could with an offensive line like that, like a young quarterback coming in would could play well. No, I, it's I, just so young look, quarterbacks are so hit, and you have miss. such a, a proven roster too. You know, and it's like, do you really want to risk all that and potentially just risk blowing things up? You know, because again, you could bring okay, in a young so QB, I would but... say I'd probably take a quarterback like Derek Carr over uh, Dak. I don't know. I, to me, they're on like a similar. Carr, on how they're on a similar level to me. I don't know if I would necessarily roll the dice on getting Derek Carr if you already have Dak. Mm-hmm. No, but Derek Carr, you know, like you got to think of money. Like you're saving fifteen million dollars a year. Yeah, but what Derek Carr gonna get when he's up for money? He's giving me the same. He still has three more years on his contract. Yeah. I got like Matthew Stafford. You know what Matthew I mean? Matthew Stafford to me is better than Dak. Yeah, but exactly, minuscule. there's a lot of quarterbacks better than Dak. Minuscule. Dak's just middle of the pack type thing. But I'm saying Dak is very good for what Dak he is. Dak is a third tier quarterback. And if the market's demanding it, I would pay it to be honest, because mm-hmm. it's really hard to get that quarterback position right. See, if you, I would take a chance on a rookie quarterback because, like, if I'm paying that's high. Dallas isn't going to be bad. Third tier quarterback, forty million dollars. But you know, you're the thing is you're giving up on a guy who you know can win you playoff games to go to either you have to give up some assets or tank. So, and Dallas is not going to be at the bottom of the division. Okay, to they're not going to get a top tier guy. Dallas, would you say Dallas's defense is elite? Yes. It's it's one would of the better say, defenses. Would would you say Dallas's defense, not in the secondary, but like you would say it's probably compare comparable to the Legion of Boom? Uh no, because the Legion of Boom was very much built around that secondary and Bobby Wagner. They didn't really have like yeah. the kind of pass. But this one's has. like they have Byron Jones, whatever. Like I get it in secondary, but like the dominance of the front seven of Dallas, Jalen Smith, Leighton Vander Esch, that D line. Yeah. Like, I would say, like, it's an elite defense. So, like, mm-hmm. you don't need the greatest quarterback. Russell Wilson in his rookie year was not the greatest quarterback. In his first couple of years, he was a good quarterback. Mm-hmm. Like, he was borderline. He was just above average. No, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, for so, sure. And Russell Wilson's also dealt with a lot of bad offensive lines, too, and been constantly on the run. Even still today, he's on the run. But, I mean, exactly. it's just... So, actually, the argument I want to follow up with you just to finish off the Dak talk. I mean, my God, with the American Sports Network over here now. But um, if you were to pay Dak, though, Joe, then, like, how do you how do you afford Byron Jones? How do you afford, afford Leighton Vander Esch in two years? You know, these are big questions that would be, you know, huge losses. If it's you hard. That for your defense. That's yeah, the and thing. you're talking it, about it, re-signing the offensive line as well. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. You can't do that right. if you sign back to such a great contract. And that's the thing that's... to me. It's like you, you want to pay. Anytime you can get a quarterback where you know it's a it's a security, it's a lot of risk to, to give that up. 
to go for somebody else. That's why, you know, that that's why you pay some guys through the roof, mm-hmm. right? There's a lot of mediocre quarterbacks out there, but once you know you have one that is competent, that's not you. That's not going to be the the downfall of your team, um, but can definitely complement your team. You pay him, and Zach to me right now. I'm not saying he's the greatest quarterback out there, but I think you pay him. Maybe closer to that $30 million range. Definitely don't want to encroach on that 40 That's a lot. But if that's not what he wants to sign for, you can't, like... I wouldn't like sign a... him for 40 no. We'll have to go Anton. Last thoughts on this. We have to get moving forward here. Last thoughts for you, Anton. In regards to... And, and, and just the whole Dallas situation. I think, man, he just used Zeke's holdout and call it a blessing. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. use that opportunity to evaluate Dak. If Dak can't pull through, you know, there's a great young quarterbacks. You'll have them on a rookie contract. You can sign everyone. You can go out in free agency. You know, you'll have a lot more cap room. Go to free agency. You can buy more offensive weapons. Mm-hmm. You know you know what I mean? Make that defensive secondary a lot more dominant. You know what I mean? No, so. and, and truthfully, the only answer is time. And, uh... Yeah. So and so there actually are still three other guys who are on uh, contract holdouts. So we'll get to and uh, go through them real quick. Uh, so the next one that we wanted to discuss was uh, the left tackle for the Washington Redskins, Trent Williams. He's uh, widely regarded as one of the top five best left tackles in the game right now. Some would even say top three. And uh, so again, to do our runoff of the questions, will he play? How much is he signed for? How many years? What team? And how well does it does does he do this season? For Trent Williams, Anton. Uh, I don't think he'll play this year. To be honest, not at all. Not at all. Wow. Because uh, Washington's not looking to, to trade him. No. Yeah. Like it, I don't think it's that well run of an organization. To be honest, like even from like their logo, their name, just various stuff like that. As to where he signs, I don't know. Like, I can see him going to the Patriots. They need a good left tackle. Like, they have Isaiah Wynn on a rookie deal. So, like, you know, Bill Belichick's not the biggest spender. Mm-hmm. The Giants can always need it, can always use him. Get rid of Nate Solder. What about a team like Houston, you know, who has had a lot of offensive line issues? It could really use someone like uh, Trent Williams over there to help solidify some blinds and protection for Deshaun Watson. Yeah, they would probably have to move their Matt Khalil, mm-hmm. who they just paid not too long ago, seven and a half mil, uh, to right tackle if they're going to do that. And he'd probably sign for. He's a great left tackle, so he'd probably be uh, 16, 16 million 16 for four million. years. Yeah. Joe, then any thoughts on you? Uh, I think you know he's not going to play this season. No, not at all, eh? I just Both. think wow. you know they're at a they're at a stalemate, um, and why would you play, play as Trent Williams? You feel that a, an organization is incompetent, has mishandled your whole situation. You're finally healthy. You're feeling really good. Would you Would you risk you know, un, getting a new contract, getting traded as a healthy, like as a very good left tackle in the league? And risk getting injured for a team you don't want to play for. What if they you, offer you like the top money though? But you know you can get that from everybody because you're a, you're a proven commodity that 
any team would love to have. Mm -hmm. So why not wait it out? There, Washington's sitting there like, fine. You, we you, we kind of had a feeling you weren't going to play, right? And if you don't trust us, we'll ship you somewhere, and then you can go play, and you can go get paid because he will get paid. Uh, you see, just my only argument towards that is, well, they just drafted Dwayne Haskins, right? So they need that blindside protection to help develop a player like him, especially, you know, your franchise QB. That even puts more pressure on them, and especially with his talent. You know, you can get something good back for him. So that's kind of the the hope but you know washington actually has to explore these trade options mm -hmm. i think out of all the people here he's the one that doesn't play this season the least likely eh? mm -hmm. okay uh so going from one who's least likely to one who's actually had some talks about uh potentially returning quite soon uh jadavian Clowney, the defensive end slash linebacker for the houston texans uh anton we'll start again with you uh again will he play how much how many years what team and uh how's he do i think i think uh with a franchise tag, he'll end up getting traded, to be honest. You think he will get traded? Because there were the talks yeah. about the Miami Dolphins I heard earlier today. Yeah. I think he will get traded. As a matter of... I think as much as they are, they won't trade him inside the division, I think uh, the Colts might you know, take a shot at them, to be honest. I just got Justin Houston, though. <laughs> yeah, but Justin Houston's he's old. And uh, he is only there for one year. He's only there for two years. You know what I mean? Yeah, but like with the with the situation the way it is now with Andrew Luck, do you really feel that trading a draft pick for a player like Jadavian Clowney, who's not necessarily going to help you win a championship like a quarterback would, but do, do you really feel like that'd be a smart move, or you know, in your honest opinion? Uh -huh. Like, honestly, we have a lot of draft picks. Like, we still have three second-round draft picks this year. So, I feel like throwing a second-round pick at a player that will really impact our team, I think. Because, like, Jabal Shear, like, we can get rid of him. Mm -hmm. Like, little things like that. Okay. But okay, I could also see him getting going to uh, the Los Angeles Rams, to be honest. Do they have any, or, like, how they afford or him? Or Oakland Raiders. <laughs> yeah, I could see Oakland. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Oakland's a team. We'll just take anybody right now at this point. <laughs> give you any picks for anybody. To be honest. No, I mean... And the reason why I say the Rams is because the only player they have at that position is Clay Matthews. Uh, for like the rush linebacker type position? Yeah. Or, okay. Okay. So, like, he'd fit in well there with Wade Phillips as the defensive coordinator. You know what? I could see that working, to be honest. Mm -hmm. I can really see – I see him playing. There's not a chance a player of his caliber – and it's not that he doesn't want to play. Mm -hmm. He wants to play. For sure. And he wants to be out there. And his franchise tag is, what, $12 million right now? Um, Fifteen. Fifteen. Yeah, 15.967, yeah. Yeah, I would, as a 25-year-old guy, what is he, 26 or 25? No, as a premium pass rusher in the league, I said it before, you know, football is literally about getting to the quarterback and protecting it, right? So if you can get a young guy who is in the prime of his career at that position and one of the best to do it, you will pay through the nose for it. 
because he will anchor your defense um, and be a force to be reckoned with. I mean, this guy, he's no stranger to the backfield. No. So pay him, and, you know, he probably will get traded. I'm not sure where. I really couldn't tell you where. You know, you said it. The Dolphins are the kind of rumor, but, yeah, I don't know. Okay. Uh, interesting takes on for both your parts there. I uh, I agree that he will play this season. I also don't think he'll be with the Texans, though I have read into the reports that it will be very difficult to trade him due to the fact that a team cannot sign him until about December due to the fact he has not signed his actual franchise tag tenure yet, so he's kind of in a precarious situation. Very much like a Le'Veon Bell type, if you will. So he could play for a team, but they just wouldn't have that financial security with him if he, if he was to get traded to them. Um, moving forward now to our fourth and final big name that is currently in a contract holdout situation as we stand, and that is Melvin Gordon, the running back for the Los Angeles Chargers. Um, again, he's a very precarious situation in that he's not the focal point of the Chargers like a Zeke is or like a Trent Williams is. And you can almost play hardball with him and just really take him for a run. You know, what, what, what do you say to that, Anton? Honestly, trading for a running back in, in the league right now, it, it, won't, it wouldn't make any sense, to be honest. In my opinion, everyone's going by running back by committee. Mm-hmm. Last couple teams to win a Super Bowl, that's what they've done. So, No, for sure. And I definitely see what you're saying with that. But, I mean, there's definitely always that one stalwart running back who kind of really leads a charge. And, Obviously, the Patriots were very famous for having that two-back system, you know, Sonia Michelle, James White. But I feel like you can make a very compelling argument in that Sonia Michelle was very much their, their lead back in that he got the majority of their carries. Obviously, you knew whenever James White came in, it was pretty much a passing play. He very rarely actually carried the ball through between the tackles, where Sonia Michelle is very versatile. And, you know, conversely with the Rams, they had Todd Gurley, who unfortunately got hurt throughout the playoffs with that lingering knee issue which has now been discovered to be arthritis, and they turned the ball over to C.J. Anderson, who became yeah. their main component behind the, uh, in the backfield as well, too, and kind of their main bell cow. So, I mean, I feel like if you have a player like Melvin Gordon, who's been very productive, he's been very consistent, you know, he's, he's been constantly just getting better each season in and out, he could be very viable to a number of teams across the league. And it's just the, the Chargers are in such a position where they have the depth in Austin Eckler, um, Correct me if I'm wrong. Is Brandon Oliver still there? Is he uh, has he moved on from the Chargers? Austin Eckler, regardless, though, is one of their uh, backup tailbacks, and he showed a lot of glimpses last season to be very capable of handling the load if Melvin Gordon was not to be there. And Justin Jackson has proven himself as well. And Justin Jackson, yeah, that's yeah. the name I was thinking of. So, I mean, they, they have a very advantageous situation where Melvin Gordon really kind of has his hands tied just because he's on a good team. Here's a team I could see that could trade for Melvin Gordon, the Seattle Seahawks. Ooh, with already with the selection of uh, Rashad Penny, you think they give up on him on that fast? Yeah, but Rashad Penny hasn't really uh, shown anything so far. It's been one season though. Yeah, but like if you look at running backs, they pop. Most of the better running backs in the league have cut have shown out in their first season. Seriously. But Melvin Gordon is a prime example of a guy who started off really slow. It wasn't his first season. I think he was hurt for a little bit of it, and then he started off really, really slow, and it wasn't until his second year that he really picked up. Yeah, but they need. I could see them needing a running back, to be honest. Like Rashad Penny, yeah, he's okay. 
He rushed for 400 yards. Yeah. Penny? Yeah. Yeah. In Melvin Gordon's first season, he rushed for 640. 640. But look at his second season, though. Like, he really popped. He went for nine, nine, but basically a thousand. Exactly. So, like, you could see, like, if you look at other teams, like, that's probably one of the only teams that actually need a running back. If you look at Washington, Washington has a bunch of good running backs. You know what? They have Chris Thompson, Adrian Peterson, Darius Geis, Mm -hmm. coming back from ACL. Tennessee, you know, Tennessee has Derrick Henry, Deion Lewis, Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay is, Tampa Bay is another team that I could see trading for him. What about a Buffalo? A Buffalo, you know what? They, I don't think they're going to need one right now because they have TJ Yeldon, Frank Gore, and LaShawn McCoy. A lot of Carolina, old names, though. Chicago. They can like still get it done. Cleveland. Mm. Green Bay, probably. Like Green Bay would be another good option because you know Aaron Rodgers hasn't really had an elite back. No, no, and Aaron Jones is still kind of just kind of getting yeah. coming into his own, if you will. I mean, I really yeah. see Melvin Gordon. I can really see Melvin Gordon playing somewhere this year. You know, this holdout is going to continue. Mm-hmm. Running back stock is not at an all-time high. Yeah. You talked about it. You know, the running back by committee is a real thing that's starting to happen, and that means. Some of these big-name guys, you know, Melvin Gordon is a good running back. He's a top-tier running back, but the Chargers can survive without him. They really could. You know, they have a lot of talent elsewhere as well. And I don't know if you would pay him top-tier money. It's it's not worth it to me. No, I know, but I just feel like if you look at just last year's, you know, Final Four for the Super Bowl, if you will, you know, I already talked about the Patriots and the Rams, obviously, but just the Saints and Chiefs. You know, the Chiefs at the start of the season, before, you know, the incident came out with Kareem Hunt, that was a crazy one, uh, three-punch combo they had right there. Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, and Kareem Hunt coming out of the backfield was deadly. And it's when they lost Kareem Hunt and they got uh, their backup tailbacks in there, they were still, you know, a very prolific, very efficient offense at that and firing all cylinders. But their backfield, it wasn't to the same pedigree that it was when Kareem Hunt was there. You can make a very compelling argument for that. And as well, to look conversely, the New Orleans Saints... They had a very much a one-two punch combo, which you guys are speaking of there, with obviously Mark Ingram and uh, Alvin Kamara. And now this season, we'll really see how good Kamara is without Mark Ingram. But again, there was a clear distinction as who the lead tailback was and how he very much handled the load when the ball was in his hand. You know? Yeah, Alvin... but you gotta even even the Rams went by committee at the towards the end of the playoffs. Right? But you could argue C.J. Anderson was kind of the main guy, though. Yeah, I'm just like I'm saying. You paid yeah, Gurley, exactly. and, and look, Gurley look, didn't look. even play by the yeah, end of the year. And you're paying Gurley fourteen mil, fourteen point three million a year, and he didn't play because he's he at did. a position that gets banged up. You're throwing them out there to just get you physical yards sometimes. In his defense, he also got a sudden uh, discovery of arthritis that doesn't typically happen to running backs. Yeah, and you got to remember, look at all the carries that Melvin Gordon has. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He has. He's 800, 900 carries in his career. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in that's a lot. Four years. That's a lot for four like, years. I'm t- like, Kiefer and I were talking about it before the show a bit, but, you know, you're kind of in the age where you run, you 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 pound running backs. You run them into the ground, and you try and get out from paying them. So you find them on their rookie deal, and then you don't pay them when you don't have to. And Melvin Gordon's kind of going to be in that situation, you know. You you were able to to work him 
when he was making, you know, just under two million dollars. Mm-hmm. Now he's going to be making five and a half, and he's asking for money. It's part of the reason why Zeke's asking for money. He sees where the, it's trending. When Zeke's up in his contract in two years, how willing is the league going to be to pay a running back twelve million dollars? Who knows? No, no, for sure, for sure. But I mean, if you can maintain production. And maintain just a, you know a sense of uh, worth on the field, if you will, where Zeke very much shows his ability to catch the ball out of the backfield, which is how the new NFL has, has evolved too. You know, splitting your tailback out wide, catching the ball, kind of having them all over the field running routes. If you can continue that type of production, then you can definitely have some longevity in a running back's career. So, I see everyone's argument with the Melvin Gordon situation. How again, it is drastically different than Zeke, but. You know, for fantasy opener owners, I hope he does come back at some point, as he is still a very good running back. But uh, his situation is one that just may end up falling quite short for him throughout this end of the season. So that, and you know what? We also had a bit of a fun one, Jothan, wanted, Jothan and I wanted to do, that uh, is still in regard to the contract situation. And uh, this one we actually went a little outside the box for. Uh, it's actually uh, outside of football as a whole. And we're talking about the Toronto Maple Leafs and their current contract situation with their RFA, restricted free agent, Mitch Marner. Uh, Anton, I'm curious of your take on that as uh, you actually know Marner to a degree, if you will. And uh, I'm curious of what you think will happen with him. Honestly, I think they'll figure it out, to be honest. By when, though? Yeah. That's kind of more the... Do you see another Nylander situation, or what do you think? I think they'll pay him, to be quite honest. Yeah. What he wants, he'll get it. Because they'll realize that, you know what, they he's one of their best players. Yeah. He's, he's a hometown kid, too. It's so one like, thing to be one of your best take players, care of your own. but it's different to be paid as your best player. Yeah. Yeah. Just got him, like... Look at look at it like this. Hometown kid. Puts up numbers. Like he's loyal. So like you gotta like just as the NFL situation, like just gotta pay up who's next, you know what I mean? No, for sure. But I mean the Leafs have a situation where they got guys like Austin Matthews and John Tavares right yeah. now. And John Tavares making upwards of what around seventeen, and Austin Matthews making upwards around a similar number too, and he wants to you know out, outpace both of them, Mitch Marner. And you can make a very compelling argument that he is an, definitely an excellent player and definitely one of the top players in the league, but necessarily better than those two is a different argument altogether. You know, he doesn't he doesn't necessarily produce. If you you can go back to the playoffs, the prime example. In that Mitch Marner scored a goal in the first game against Boston, and then pretty much went quiet. Where Austin Matthews was consistently staying productive throughout the series. Uh, I believe he did finish the series with about four goals in total throughout the seven games, and was he was vacant. He was there the entire series. You could see him. He wasn't invisible, and he deserves every penny he got. You know, and and that's the issue that could come up with Marner in that. He could have these moments where he just doesn't shine like the top tier player. See, that he here, I feel like Matthews. I feel like Matthews, uh, he does the same thing, though. Like, you know, he doesn't show up sometimes, like, in the playoffs. You know what I mean? Like, Marner has led the lead scoring on the club for the last two seasons. You know what I mean? Yeah. Matthews. It's no doubt of his production. 
Like yeah. that that can't be in doubt, right? And when it comes down to saying he's a way better playmaker as well. The scorer that Matthews is, but like he's he's definitely a better playmaker. And you know what you, I mean? So you just gotta pay him. You're totally right. There is yeah. an aspect to where you know what he's the next man up, and you just gotta pay him. But I think where the question starts to come in is, you know, you're looking to give him what is it like a five to seven year deal somewhere in that range mm-hmm. in terms of duration, but. You know, next year, what happens when you have Austin Matthews making that much, you have Tavares making that much, and you have Marner making that much? If they don't get out of that first round, there's going to be some real questions coming at. Also, with Nylander making that much after his holdout, but, you know, there's going to be some questions saying, is this money worth it? Do we need to blow it up, get rid of it? Like, what is going on? Why are we paying these guys if we're not getting, you know... On to the, the, the Stanley Cup final. Showing progression of some kind, yeah. Something. Yeah, Getting but you got to remember round. these guys are young, right? But there's Sometimes an aspect to where if you pay yet. somebody $11 million a mm-hmm. year, it doesn't matter how young you are. You're clearly saying you deserve that money. Now go win us a chip because I'm giving you top-tier money. Mm-hmm. I'm not paying you $6 million and saying win me a chip. I'm paying you like the best players in the league. They had better go out and perform like it in the big yeah. situations. You know, one goal for the course of a series is just not enough. No. You need four or five points in that series. Mm-hmm. I feel you. I feel everything you're saying. But, like, you got to remember these guys are young. Sometimes, like, experience is the best teacher. You know what I mean? It so, is. So, like, they'll go out. You pay him Because you're not going to – you can't let a guy like Martin walk. You it, can't. That would be one of the biggest travesties. If you watched Mitch Marner, then walk and go somewhere else, and you're going to watch him put up 90 points. Mm-hmm. And watch him win a championship. I don't know if he – I think I don't the know number if him he alone. demands. I don't yeah. know if him alone could win a championship. No, no, no. I'm no. not talking about like he'll go to a good team and win a championship. So what if he goes to a team like Boston, and he comes and he comes back here and he does the exact same thing? Boston couldn't afford it. I think Toronto is one of the few places with the roster and yet the flexibility to still be able to pay him. So just pay him. You know what? Just pay him. Like he's been consistent. Like he's shown you two years that he can get he can get it done. You know what I mean? It's like look out look at the Raptors. Look how long Damar and Kyle. Kyle could not perform in the playoffs for his life. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And you know, after he gained experience, getting experience. Now he's now he's just consistent in the playoffs. You know what I mean? Well, yes and no because I mean, if you go back to Orlando Game One, he had a stat. Yeah, yeah, zero, yeah. Zero, but zero. like that's Game One. Sure, I get it. I get like I get it. But you know, you I guess I guess the the toughest thing is you know, you, if once you pay that eleven million dollars, you want some of that a little bit of that security to know this investment will lead, you know, to something tangible mm-hmm. but that's um, just a chance you have to take you know what like i think anton a great way to look I at pay, it if i pay this guy look at look at my tampa bay lightning look they have everything they need stamkos kucherov all those guys break records for the regular yeah season. 60 wins but where did that exactly go? Yeah, and they go to the regular season nothing is guaranteed in the postseason so no matter if you pay him if you don't pay him it doesn't mean you're going to win. You know what I mean? 
it's not even about winning so much as about just just showing production and just you know yeah. a step forward. And, and that's productive. the thing; it's just a step forward. You know, can we get to a game six and close out a series? Can we get to round two? That you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. That's a step forward. Um, and, and that's going to be a tougher one. Now it is almost what right now. It's going to be the end of August, and it's. I know hockey RFAs take a while. They do. But it is mine. But I, I thought these things usually wrapped up around this, like before now, kind of middle of August. Well, to give you perspective too, on even a different one, look at uh, look at baseball. Look at two of the biggest names that signed in baseball, and that wasn't uh, that was Bryce Harper and Manny Machado. You know what? I give that different because there's 160 something games. But I look don't... at how long it took until they signed those. Yeah. I'm saying they have what the shortest off season, with December yeah, like to uh, January or something. Like that. Yeah, months. something ridiculously short. And they literally waited till the last possible one, almost to like the end of training camp until they finally signed. I mean, what's what's baseball training camp? Anyway? No, I, I get it's a different sport together. But what I'm saying is like, you know, it's a thing with athletes in that they're not necessarily tied to a certain schedule like normal players would be. You know, a guy like maybe you and me who want to go and get to camp and kind of get our grind in, kind of go through the get ourselves ready for the system and stuff like that. That's a different mindset. But where these guys are kind of worried about their future financially they will do whatever it takes and they will prepare themselves however means necessary. If it means staying away and training on their own, you know, doing whatever they got to be to be in shape and they, they will rather take that route as opposed to trying to, uh, you know, appease their, uh, how should you say employer, if you will, by just simply playing the number that they, the employer thinks yeah. they deserve. So, I mean, I get it. It's definitely a factor to take in there. And, and, you know, time is something that is not really that important. When it comes to money. No, but it's the money. You just want your money to speak volumes. You want it to pay off. And you want it to be justified at the end no, of the day. No, for sure. And for I think sure. that's the biggest trait. When you look at all of these guys, when you're talking football, hockey, anybody, you just want that money. You know, money is a representation. That's why guys demand it. You know, it's respect. It's this is what I'm owed because this is what I produce. And You'd hope that it, it ends up being a good tra- contract, you know, something that's suitable for their needs. You don't want Eon Mahimi out there. Eon <laughs> Mahimi. Right? Or uh, who's that guy from Memphis? Who uh, Chandler Parsons. <laughs> Another one just got paid out the butt and just did nothing. But, you know, I, I, I hope it all works out well. And I hope it's wrapped up timely because I don't want to see a, another William Nylander situation where it's, where, when was it, November? It was the, like the very last, the last day, day possible. Of, and you know, I'm 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 hoping that it's it just it wraps up so that you can you know, you can get training camp, you can get those 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 runs in with all the guys, the exactly. skates in, you know, build that team chemistry because you wanna see them actually producing when they get on the ice. It's always well, touchy to talk about a man's money, eh? It's always touchy. We all know they're not winning this year, so it's okay. Hey, well, okay, Mister uh, Tampa Bay. You know every team, every year looks good for them. Yeah, I'm used to it, man. You, you know what? It's been a heartbreaking year for you. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's been a heartbreaking year for you. Oh, God, 2019 man. is not my year for sports. It's oh okay. my gosh. Who is your college team? I bet you probably were rooting for Alabama too, eh? No, I'm a Stanford and Florida guy. <laughs> Stanford and Florida. Did yeah. they did they win last Saturday, Florida? Or I think. Yeah, they beat they beat Miami. They beat the U. Crazy game. Yes, oh, I was trying to watch that uh, last one. There's uh, a, lot, a lot of foolishness by the coaching staff, but other than that, it was a good one. Game. If you get the result you asked for, and that's all you really need. That's true. But uh, 
I just want to come out and, uh, you know, thank you so much, Anton, uh, for coming on the show today. We really appreciate it. We it's been had, an absolute uh, pleasure. Love hearing the perspective, especially on the Andrew Luck thing. You know, to hear an inside perspective from a real Colts fan, a diehard Colts fan, is something you just you can't get from anywhere else. Yeah, and no problem. Anytime, guys. I really appreciate you guys uh, bringing me on uh, the podcast. Um, we have one request. Um, when you score your next touchdown for Laurier Football, can you dedicate it to us in some way? Yeah. Yeah, no problem. You just got a tough time to throw me the ball now. <laughs> of course. We'll, we'll put the good word into his ear, if you will. But, uh, but uh, so that about wraps it up for this week. We did have a baseball section that we wanted to do at the end, but due to time constraint, we're going to cut that t- today, and we'll get to that next time. We definitely will get to that next Oh, week. there's so much to talk about when it comes to the Jays. Uh, thank you guys so much for tuning in this week. We really appreciate it, and we shall catch you guys next week. Take it easy.